to This Grit and Grace Life, a podcast for strong women and those who want to be. From the boardroom to the bedroom, car lines to college, single, married, or single again, real talk for women embracing this grit and grace life. Let's get into it. Well, hey there, and welcome to another episode of This Grit and Grace Life podcast. I'm your co-host, Julie Graham, and I am such a token millennial, aren't I? You are. Yeah, you are a I mean, token millennial. For good and for bad. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> there there are people who would like to say that I'm too old to be a millennial, and to them I say, don't take my joy. <laughs> don't take my identity. <laughs> I love it. And I'm Darlene Brock, and I would be a boomer. Ooh, boomer. how exciting. Yeah, do you have any idea what a boomer is and why? I mean, doesn't it have something to do with the baby boom and there are lots of you because of the war or something? Uh, yes. I sound so confident, don't yeah, I? Yeah, you do. Yeah. <laughs> or something, something. Something or other. Yeah, and that's exactly right. World War II ended and nine months later, there were a whole bunch of babies. <laughs> you know, I guess they came home and got busy. Well, and as you're hearing those, you might kind of be thinking in your mind what generation you belong to. Um, our... Let's see, my grandparents and your parents were traditionalists, is that yes, right? Yes, that's what they called them. Then came the boomers, then there's Gen X and millennials, and I don't even know what comes after millennials I don't know because if I'm come up a millennial and I don't yeah. care. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's classic. I just don't think they've come up with a name yet. Give them time. They will. The, there's the little people, the yeah. people who are so young that we haven't quite given them a title yet. But isn't it so true that culturally today, we have really subscribed to... Everyone needs a label and a group by which they belong and identify themselves. Yeah, you know, that absolutely drives me crazy. But here we are. Does we, it drive all boomers crazy? Um, I, you know what? I'm, I'm not even typical of me so or of my generation, so I'm not sure. I haven't had that conversation. I'm not sure it's important to us, really. Mm, that's funny. Yeah. But the truth is, is we do kind of have these groups that we fit into, and we either like to identify with them or we don't. Like, for example, what connotation comes to mind when you think of a millennial? I think stereotypically, I would say um, they are dictated by their devices, that they cannot live without having something attached to their hands. Yes. Yes. I mean, yes, that's why. (laughs) Wait a minute. I just wish they could see your face right now. It's like, well, of course. Like, why are you even saying that this is (laughs) not normal or whatever? Yeah. Yeah, you actually said that you think millennials don't know what it's like to have film developed. And I'll agree with you that those on the younger end probably have never had film developed. No, everything I, was I, on digital. the other hand, I, I had bins and bins of photos <laughs> developed with no intention of ever looking at those pictures again. So I was glad when we switched to digital. Yeah, I bet it was with your little princess camera. Do you have one of those? <laughs> <laughs> I remember buying a lot of the disposable cameras. Oh, there you go. And then, of course, buying my first several digital cameras, yeah. which is a big deal. Yes. Um, and now, I mean, I never carry a camera. I use my phone. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, I, I think that maybe some millennials aren't familiar with that. You also said millennials don't know who Marky Mark from the Funky Bunch. No. Is that Mark Wahlberg? You read that on paper. You didn't know before. Yeah, I mean, I know Mark Wahlberg because he's kind of cute. Yeah, but <laughs> but no, he was Marky Mark. Like, yeah. so was that like a boy band? Oh, of course it was. Yeah, like like a uh, Sync before mm-hmm. Sync was mm-hmm. a thing. Yeah, it was one of those. Did you think he was cute? Oh, I didn't care. <laughs> I mean, he was my daughter's generation I was say, is he of too, cute. Was he too young for you? Y- yeah, very okay. much so. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, very much. And but- boy bands, no. That's funny. Oh yeah, that's totally not your style. No. Um, and then millennials also, you know, we were we were the 
the rise of the internet. And so you said you thought millennials maybe didn't remember dial-up modems. Although I remember that distinct sound. Yeah, I guess maybe you didn't have to be frustrated with them because you didn't know any different. I don't know. Or maybe none of us were because we didn't know any different. But it was, re- you would because of where you are in the millennial. It was more age like group. the anticipation of that. <laughs> oh, we're so close. I'm almost on the World Wide Web. Yes. <laughs> the internet where all of my emails await. Maybe I'll have one. And then when you got on and it, you've got mail, I was like, they like me. I they really it. like me. <laughs> That's too funny. Uh, well, when I think of a boomer, I mean, I think of kind of rule breaking, do my own thing. I'm stepping away from the man, so to speak. I mean, is that kind of what you guys held yeah, to? Yeah, we thought we were so independent and breaking free of all norms and not following anybody else. But Julie, it's like every other generation. I look back at pictures and all the boys had long hair. Everybody wore bell bottoms. You know, we bought the flannel shirts or the over overalls that our grandpas used to wear. And we all looked alike and we all talked alike and we acted alike. So we really, we might've been breaking free from the generation before us, but you were we, doing it all exactly the same. We were all doing it the same. Yeah. For <laughs> well, sure. that's something I feel like each generation does. It's we, true. We're trying to change the norm from those before us, but we still kind of love this groupthink situation. All right, Julie, I know you guys think you invented a lot of the words that you use, the slang, but do you know, now there's some that you left behind. I mean, groovy, nobody says groovy. <laughs> no, unless they're trying to be retro. <laughs> yeah, it'd be a little bit retro. They dress for the night of the costume party. Yeah, yeah I get it. <laughs> Okay, but but we did say cool. Did you start cool? Yes, we did. We totally cool. started it cool, and it's still sad. Yeah, You're, it's I, still that sad. has definitely been an enduring slang word. It has any other slang that you can think of that you guys started that we're oh, yeah. still using? Uh, hey, dude, dude, hey, dude. dude. Yeah, dude, mm-hmm. I say dude a lot. Yeah, uh huh. Well, we we said it first. Okay, we did do that. We have a lot of slang nowadays that, I mean, it's, we've said here before, it's kind of my favorite thing is to ask you if you know slang words like YOLO and, you know, the yeah, like. Yeah, but yours are all texting, not even real words. They're just letters <laughs> that just are making them up. Yes, that's it. <laughs> that is true. If you went kind of through the list, every generation would have their token, their token slang. And really the truth is, is every generation has their token thing that they're known for. Even some, what's the, your token invention of oh. the boomers? Oh, our our invention was the microwave. You're very welcome. You are so I mean, welcome. Yeah, I use my microwave every day. Yes. Feel free to judge me if you like. And if you are <laughs> judging me for using my microwave, you can go ahead and just go listen to episode 57. But that's that. Um, Gen X, they brought us the cell phone. Oh, yeah. Ginormous cell phone Ginormous. It was as big as your head when yes. it was introduced. Yes. But, yes. but I mean, I remember getting my first cell phone. That was pretty exciting times. It was awesome. And yep. it's a it's a good thing. And then the millennials, I mean, we were the dawn of the internet. Yeah, the full in, I'm going in the deep end of the world of the uh, World Wide Web, as you said, the internet world, where everything you do, everything you say, every communication you have is there. Yeah, Yeah, and we kind of spiraled downward into the abyss of social media. Sorry, not sorry. Yes, we're sorry. (laughs) It is what it is now. Yeah, (laughs) you know, it like everything else has its upside. Well, we talk actually a lot on this show. Part of the reason we started this Grit and Grace Life podcast as a new arm of the Grit and Grace Project online magazine was we have a few generations between us. You know, we we skip over the Gen X. Um, Your daughters are... Gen X or millennial? Well, they're both millennials. My eldest would say she's on the cusp. She doesn't like to claim it. So can she relate with both? 
Yeah, she probably does. Gotcha. Um, But that's something that we really think kind of sets us apart. And part of the reason we wanted to start our show is the conversations we would have here are going to come from two different um, generations and therefore kind of um, thought processes or, you know, groups of values and ideas. And that kind of got us thinking about how there's a lot of benefit that comes from hanging out with somebody of a different generation. And yet we as a culture are starting to kind of lose the value in that. Yeah, we are. And it makes me sad. And so to to begin this process, I did like my generation does. I did a lot of research. You brought out your dictionary <laughs> I did. and your encyclopedia. <laughs> <My> encyclopedia. <laughs> I actually Wait, do gave you a, have encyclopedias? No, I gave okay. those away a bunch of years ago. No, I didn't. I'm glad we don't have to do that anymore. No, I, I really am <sighs> too. I'm right there with you. But what I found in my research is that Psychology Today did a study of the different generations and asked for responses on what are the most important or the greatest strengths that they value, okay? And what was amazing to me is that in the top five, four of those were named in every single generation. So you're saying, as they were given options, what things, what values matter the most to you? Four of the five were listed by every single generation. Yeah, I wouldn't I've have know what they it. are. I yes. wouldn't have guessed it. Tell me what they are. Okay. First one, honesty. Every generation values honesty. And did they say what they meant by that? Yeah, they said uh, they want people in general to speak the truth and to be sincere. Mm. They're looking for honesty. Interesting. Yeah. I think the buzzword for that today is vulnerable. It probably is. Us millennials, we love our vulnerability. Yeah, it probably Um, is. What's the next one? Judgment. Uh, In a good way or a bad way? (laughs) In a good way. Um, Not jumping to conclusions instead of jumping to conclusions and to critically think through things that, you know, that one really surprised me because I would have thought some, perhaps your generation wasn't as concerned with critical thinking, but that's Mm -hmm. not true. They really, really are. Interesting. What's next? Okay. Fairness. Hmm. Fairness. Um, Giving everyone else a fair chance. I definitely think that is, I can see that for sure in the millennial generation right now. Um, It's become kind of a prevailing topic, but interesting to see that all of the generations would have said that that's something that matters. Yeah. The last one of the four makes sense to me that I think everybody is looking for this and that is kindness. Mm. Yeah. Being caring and doing things for other people, doing good deeds for other people. So if all generations are are able to have some common ground that these four things are important. Do you think we could do a better job as women or just as adults in general to make a point to interact with the other generations? Because, you know, maybe our friends, the people we spend majority of our time with are closer in our peer group and therefore in our generation group. But when you look at the larger circles of your life, where you work, where you hang out, where you, you know, community, you know, organizations you might be a part of, a church or um, clubs, there's a lot of intergenerational age groups that you do life with. Yeah. And I think what's funny is, you know, the what seems to be the obvious is, well, the younger people can learn from the older generation. But the truth is, the older generation can learn from the younger, too. Mm-hmm. You know, we, we tend to think that we have done it all, seen it all, heard it all. And then we realize this fresh, mm-hmm. young group of people coming in have some great ideas and some inspiring things that they're doing or willing to take on challenges because they still believe that it can be done. 
Yeah, so what we're actually wanting to propose here is that we could take a moment to kind of think through the big areas of our lives and say, as two women from different generations, what can we willingly choose to take as the both the good and the bad from our specific generations and kind of other ones we know from doing life with people who come from those generations? And instead of nitpicking what's bad about the other generation, what's something we can pull from? Is there somewhere we need to meet in the middle so that we can be stronger women growing in both grit and grace, developing into women who can see the good in people around us, even if they're not exactly like us or they don't approach life challenges or opportunities in the same kind of mindset as we do. Yeah. And I love the idea. So let's start talking about some of the areas. One that most of us find ourselves in, and that's the work life. Mm. You know, the majority of women work outside the home today. So when you're at work, what is your approach? I know my generation you know, basically stayed with a job for an incredibly long time. You would go to work every day, whether you liked it or not. Mm -hmm. You would bring home the paycheck and you would be responsible in your work life, which meant you just stayed with it. Absolutely. I think that millennials have gone almost slingshot opposite approach of that. Instead of staying with a job, we're so driven by um, doing something that's meaningful to us instead of just wanting to provide for our family, we want to do something that matters. And so we do kind of jump from job to job to job. To think of staying in a job long term is almost unheard of nowadays. Yeah. And I think like every other one, there's a balance to it because I don't think it's always right to stay in the same job forever and ever and ever. And then to be discontent and constantly look for the next new adventure um, isn't always good either. Yeah, sometimes you need to just be willing to kind of go old school and <laughs> provide for your family in a job, even if you don't love it, but to provide stability and to have, you know, um, credibility and work ethic for sure. Yeah, I do think that millennials get a bad rap on having a bad work ethic. Would you agree with that statement? Yes, I think they get a bad rap. I also think some of them have earned it. <laughs> you know, okay, I'll give you that. Okay. <laughs> I do think that there are some amazing millennials that know how to work, know how to accomplish the tasks that are set before him. Actually, every girl that works with us at the Grit and Grace Project, they're all millennials. Mm -hmm. And they work their butts off. Um, but I also think that there is kind of a, if I'm not happy with it, not comfortable with it, if it's too hard or something that I don't really want to do, you know, it's easy for some of that generation to jump. But again, I would not blanket statement, all millennials have a bad work ethic. Yeah, I would say that we kind of, as millennials, want to be driven in our work by something that's meaningful to us. And so if we can't say that we're pursuing our passion at work, then we can kind of um, get away with or we justify not working hard. And I would say as a millennial that that's got to go. You yeah. know, there there is something to be proud of in doing your work well, even if you're not at the job you love. We've definitely written some articles at the Grit and Grace Project that speak to this. I'll make sure to link to them in the show notes. Um, but I also real quick want to highlight here um, Teresa Christian's article to parents of millennials that they need to just stop doing Boy. their work for them. That yeah. one 
is so funny, but also so, so real. So good, yeah. So we'll link to that one in the show notes, but I'll also put some articles in there for um, if you find yourself as a millennial in a job that you can't say you're passionate about, um, and maybe that's a, a, a kind of a plaguing issue for you, we want to kind of encourage you that it's okay to still show up and do your job well, and that's actually the right thing to do. Yep, for sure. <laughs> Anything else in the work area? What about work-life balance? Was that a struggle for you? Uh, For your generation, I should say. Yeah, I think my generation did struggle with it a little bit. Um, We were kind of the beginning of it because, you know, honestly, older than me to me, uh, we're just discovering women at work. We were entering the workforce. And in that, you know, child care was required. We had to figure out how to take care of our children when we were at work. It was it was a changing time in, you know, women's roles. And so finding that balance was kind of a new thing. Mm-hmm. And I think maybe we did more work. You know, I was fortunate. I could balance it because I own my own company. Um, but it was a bit of a struggle. Yeah. And would you say looking at, um, you know, kind of today's working woman, millennial working woman, that we have a better hold on that as far as maybe not 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 balancing our time because we're distracted by so many things. But as far as the balance between home and work, do you think we've I do. I actually think your generation by and large and Gen X uh, have decided that they want a balance Mm -hmm. in it. They yeah. don't want one to take precedence over the other. And I think they've actually accomplished that better mm-hmm. than perhaps mine did. Let's talk actual family. So we talked a little bit about balancing work and family, but let's talk about some of the ways that the family dynamic has changed through generations. Yeah, I think about a lot is the fact that we didn't think we had to be happy. Now, that sounds really funny, but it was not, you know, whether it was in our family mm-hmm. or in our work, but uh, very much in our mm-hmm. family. It wasn't like, I want nirvana in my marriage or I want my children to be just walk on water. I don't, and my happiness is not my first priority. Mm. It's not the most important thing to me. Probably fulfilling my responsibilities are, you know. Interesting. And and as we've seen that kind of change over time, I do think there is an attitude of today, my happiness comes first and therefore I may or may not get married <laughs> because, I mean, culturally, there is a lower view of marriage today. There are many who joke about to be married is to throw away your happiness, which is a separate conversation that makes me sad, but... Culturally, that's kind of the view. And so, um, and we may or may not have kids because I want to do what I want to do and kids may be part of that or they may get in my way. So I can totally see that that bend toward the younger generation being more happiness focused. And I definitely think we're losing um, some important value in knowing that my happiness is not my actual purpose for being here. Yeah. Yep. Anything different? What about parenting styles? I know we've talked about this a little bit before, but that's been some shifting. Yeah, we had a parenting style. Go out and play. (laughs) (laughs) I'll tell you when to come in for dinner. Yeah, exactly. That was our parenting style. You know, yeah, that's how I was parented for sure. For sure. (laughs) So yes, it's changed because there I think there may be four thousand and twelve parenting styles today um, that you women have. Yeah, our parenting style is coming up with a new style of parenting every six months (laughs) and slapping a label on it and judging the woman next to us who's not doing it the new fangle (laughs) schmancy fancy way yeah episode 45 we actually unpacked that completely with stop the mommy wars every mom is doing something right and so absolutely that is a big shift in motherhood and i think we should go a little more old school when it comes to parenting and kind of go back to the way you guys did and 
every mom knows what's right for her kid. And we don't need to be all up in their business all the time and overmothering. Well, and I think the one benefit to our parenting style was we didn't feel the pressure that you ladies do. We didn't feel like if we just sent them out in the backyard and played, we weren't worried if they broke their leg, what would somebody think? Or if they, <laughs> you know, if they fell in the creek, oh, you know, what what would we do? It was more go out and play. We didn't have the pressure of everybody telling us that that was dangerous ground. Do you think part of it is because you didn't have to publicize your life on social media every minute of the day? Yeah, I think that. And I also think all of the dangers, and there are real dangers in this world, they weren't broadcast to us every day of the week mm-hmm. in on every cable news channel. And on so, you know, level. that yeah. fear, that mother fear was not fed like it is now. Mm. All right. What about values as generations, like those things that really matter at your core? Do you think there's been a shift there as far as what your generation valued? And is that still present today? Um, Yeah, I think we were really big on standing for something, you know, standing for whatever it was. Um, But I'm not sure that we were necessarily compassionate about it. Like you cared about this thing you were standing for more than you cared about the people that might be affected by that? Yeah, and I'm not sure. It was more our freedom. It was, you know, I'm going to be independent. I'm going to be free from what our parents did. We're not going to duplicate their lives. We're going to gain something new and different, whether it was, you know, sexual or work. You know, we aren't going to work like they did at the factory, you know, whatever. Um, That we were vying for freedom and that was our stand but we weren't looking anywhere at anyone else but ourselves yeah I think I'm seeing the shift nowadays that you almost like you pick a group of people to value whatever they value and whatever stand they're going to take you're going to stand with them but you don't come to those personal convictions on your own it's like you're relying on a set of leaders that you care about and you'll just believe whatever they believe which is putting us in a dangerous position, I think. It is. I think there's there's a little bit of loss of figuring it out for yourself. Yeah, like personal responsibility. And I know what I believe and I know why I believe it. And so if someone who I think I agree with starts to go in a different direction, I can notice it instead of just shifting along with them because I'm just doing whatever the person I want to follow is doing. Yeah, but I do think that the millennial generation, one thing that they have in their groups that they're following is they normally look outside of themselves. What do they care about? Hmm. You know, they, they have some kind of project or concern that is bigger than their life Hmm. or their world. Yeah. Millennials definitely care a lot about, you know, the greater good and and caring for others and doing for others. For sure. That is definitely a strength of our generation. One thing you highlighted, and I think is a, a real issue for today is kind of that slow, um, loss of truth being that there is truth. Yeah. Truth being the truth is an absolute that there are some things that are seriously true. Um, and that is not, I don't consider that a judgmental statement. I think it's a more definitive statement of what, what you hold dear and believe that there, there is truth in how we live, you know, truth in the simple things like, if I if I speak kindly to someone else, then I have a better chance of them being speaking kindly to me. You know, there's truth in our um, faith. There's truth in our family dynamics, where we know what we put in is going to make a difference in what we get out. You know, I I think that 
We don't need to walk away from truth just because we add compassion or love to the scenario. Yeah, so somewhere in the middle, there's standing for something, believing in something, but still being able to show love and grace for the people who don't share the exact same beliefs without wavering on where truth is. Yes. And that's like where somewhere in the middle, we need to find that common ground again. You mentioned faith. Let's go there because that's that's definitely changed throughout the generations. Um, you know, what what the generation holds as faith, is it important? I mean, for your generation, was it important to be a part of a faith community? Oh, absolutely. Everybody in my little city in northern Indiana went to church. Mm-hmm. We had, you know, we had like 12,000 population in the city and we must have had 12 churches, you know, so everyone, the hundred people that went to (laughs) to that church and, you know, you you went, I grew up in a very conservative Baptist church Mm -hmm. where Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night, you know, we went, there was no conversation in my family that you would not show up. Um, So we went, but, but in hindsight, I think part of what we missed which kind of led to the Jesus movement of that era was uh, a real relationship. It was more rule-driven or attendance-driven. And again, that may not have been everywhere in every church, but it was at least how I perceived mine, and I know a lot of my peers did too. So are you saying you know everyone was in church whether or not they actually believed in God, um, necessarily would say they had a um, growing relationship with him, and that was just kind of the cultural norm. Yeah, absolutely. I went to church. My I had a boyfriend in high school. I had about 42,000 of them, I think. But one, I went to his <laughs> church, and I carried my Bible because that's what you were supposed to do, I thought. And he looked at me and said, why did you bring your Bible? And I went, well, I'm going to church. But that particular church you just went. It wasn't that you brought a book to open or to study. You just attended church. That's so, funny. you know, it was it was that in that season of America, you went to church. Yeah. And, and I would just say, sadly, that is not the norm anymore. And I think that's definitely something that our generation has lost um, as a, you know, church member. I mean, I used to work at my church and um, church is an important part of my life. Um, But as I look around at my peers, that is very um, uncommon. You know, it's not, it is not the norm anymore. And I think we've seen the effects of that as a culture over the last few generations as we've gotten away from that. Well, and I think to view the whole, not just going to church, but realizing you belong to a family of faith thing that it should be the anchor of our faith. Um, in my generation, we went because it was expected, not because we looked around the room and said, you are literally my family. Mm. you know. And today, I think that there's a rebellion against, I don't want to belong to an institution. Mm-hmm. And I don't disagree with that. I don't want yeah. to belong to an institution either. But what I do want to belong to is a family, yeah. you know, people who care about one another, which, you know, the churches that thrive at this point, are ones that usually create that family dynamic, that we are a community that care about one another. Yeah, I mean, across the board, statistics are definitely showing that church attendance is dwindling. Um, Church growth is dwindling. And um, I I think society is really shifting more to a concern of, you know, social justice, social, um, you know, 
interaction instead of the faith community meeting those needs. And I mean, that's definitely a bigger separate conversation, but I think that's kind of what we've seen as the generations have gone on. Instead of the church growing and thriving, we've kind of moved toward these more cultural conversations of um, social justice and less relationship with God being the focus. Yeah. And I think that you start with a relationship with God and then you know, however you want to term it, whether it is Christian charity or compassion or social justice, an extension of that relationship and that faith community is that you do care and take care of those who can't do it themselves. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Uh, if you want to know a little bit more about what we actually believe here at the Grit and Grace Project and this Grit and Grace Life, I'll link in the show notes um, one of Darlene's articles all about beginning in faith. It was one of my faves. So I'll make sure that that's available to you. Um, all right, so we've kind of talked through some big bucket areas that different generations view parts of our lives in, but what's the common thread that we want to say we can take away from um, the good of any generation and kind of just reminding us that instead of dividing ourselves, we want to look to the other people around us and find the strengths and find the benefits from being around each other. Yeah, you know, I want to go back to that survey we cited earlier where, you know, there were common things that every generation said, but then they also had something that was unique to their generation in their top five. And I found it really interesting because I think we can gain from each other in this. And that is the um, Gen X generation, in addition to the four important things we mentioned, they valued love. Hmm. They valued love. Interesting. Yeah, I thought it was great. The boomers, gratitude, and the millennials, teamwork. Now, I think every one of those should cross every other generation as well. And that's where we can learn from one another the different things that we can add to our life. The strengths that they value, we go, those are great. I want to embrace them myself. Yeah, I mean, just touching on love, you know, we just kind of started we just kind of wrapped up talking about faith and, you know, the Bible teaches that the most important thing is love. Mm -hmm. And so um, if we're saying as Christian women, we want to see faith continue to be an important part of people's lives, then love has to be central. Absolutely. That's very interesting. And gratitude. I mean, would you say as a boomer, that's something that you valued? Yeah, it is. Yeah. I think maybe we had, I don't know that we really had less because we had a lot Um, But what we had was usually worked for pretty hard, Mm -hmm. and we knew our parents worked for it hard, and we Mm -hmm. just kind of started with appreciating the things Mm -hmm. that were given to us or opportunities afforded us. And I would say that that's kind of a stereotypical downfall of the millennial generation, not being able to recognize, um, you know, the value of things or maybe having things handed to them. And so to pause and be intentionally grateful for the many things that we have, both, you know, material and, you know, emotional. I think that's a good reminder for all of us, for sure. Yeah, and I do love the one that the millennials chose, and that's teamwork, Mm -hmm. because I think my generation, again, kind of floated solo. We did our our own thing. We felt like the whole world was on our shoulders, and I think that Mm -hmm. the millennial generation learned that you do it better as a team. Mm -hmm. 
I think maybe even our access to technology has given us the ability to see our interconnectedness on a better level. And so now that we do have all these tools at our disposal, we can be more connected with people um, and work together to accomplish more. And that, you know, that desire to to better the lives of lots of people is best going to be realized in teamwork. So I think there's definitely something to be um, gleaned from each generation. And I want to be the kind of woman who doesn't think I've got it all figured out, but instead looks to, you know, older and younger women around me and men, of course, to learn from and to um, apply in my own life. Yep. So I'm saying I'll learn from you. You learn from me. Please. We'll learn from everybody in between us and um, we'll all get a little bit better. Absolutely. So I hope that as you've listened to us talk through the different generations first, you can figure out which one you are. If you're like me, you're like, am I Gen X or am I millennial? <laughs> At the end of the day, it actually doesn't matter. It does not matter. It does <laughs> because not matter. Because there are things to pull from every generation and the more we can lean on each other, the better off we are going to be. We do want to end with a quote about generations because that's what we do here on This Grit and Grace Life. This one comes from Henry David Thoreau, and he said, Every generation laughs at the old fashions, but follows religiously the new. And there you have it. Thanks for joining us this week at This Grit and Grace Life. Thanks for listening to another episode of This Grit and Grace Life podcast, brought to you by the Grit and Grace Project online magazine. Whether you're listening in Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or streaming the show, be sure to take a couple moments to subscribe, rate, and review so you never miss the next episode. You can also share the show with a friend you think might enjoy living a grit and grace life with us. Every week we share all the details on everything we discuss in the episode at thegritandgraceproject.org. We'll catch you on the next one.